0: to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to episode two of season four, Stephen.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, Real quick, at the time of this recording, the season four premiere has been out for I guess a few days, maybe two days. I just want to give a moment of appreciation for all the positive feedback we've received. We're really happy that People seem to be enjoying that episode because it took a lot, obviously. And uh, it just, I'm happy to have it out there. I'm happy to kick off the season this way. And I'm very uh, appreciative of all the support. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Overwhelming, honestly. Overwhelming response. Yeah. It's really cool. Thank you all so much for listening and sharing the show and everything. It was just like a really nice day, you know, just like, yeah. a really cool day overall.
1: I also want to quickly just address some concerns that I saw on the Discord because oh, some okay. people were like, hey... Brendan and Steven, we love you. We care about you as people. That I was reading into that. They didn't say that directly, but I gathered the meaning. <laughs> Basically, it's like, hey, you just released like a four plus hour season premiere, a four plus hour patron only episode. Yeah. And we're recording the bonus today. Like you don't need to do that every time. <laughs> I just want to say that that's not going to be like the norm every month. The fact that all of this happened like in a week yeah. was very much like a Mercury Cosmic event. Um, <laughs> I feel like it tends to happen. Like in June, we have our season premiere, and then in December, we have the game of the year episode. So usually, those are like the busy months. But I think for the patron episode, those episodes will vary in length. Like, I don't, we don't feel pressure to make it a giant thing. So just if you're concerned for our well being, don't worry. We, we got it. This yeah. is a, a special week that. I think for me was probably my limit of what I'm capable of putting out there. That's <laughs> so nice to know that. Yeah. I do think I like tapped out at the end of the E3 episode. I'm like I got nothing else. Like yeah. whatever is left of me is is purely cartilage at this point. <laughs> Everything else is gone. So I just want to I just want to put that out there that you know, we we appreciate the concern, but that will not be the norm. Going yeah. forward.
0: Yeah, we, we wouldn't be doing stuff like that unless we really wanted to. You know? I mean I, I one exactly. of, I think I mentioned it somewhere, I don't know where, in one of the five hour things that we released recently. <laughs> I said, I said something to the effect of like we we really want this show to be sustainable uh we want to make it on our terms and like never feel like we're pushing ourselves too far to like make hashtag content for the internet you know um because the whole reason the show exists is just like you and i like talking to each other about video games so uh if we ever get past that point um then like we're not going to do that episode you know if there's ever an idea uh, so like for example actually this weekend uh we were going to record a bonus for a link to the past Because, you know, it was on the Game Boy Advance, like there was a Game Boy Advance port and stuff. And at a certain point, you know, you and I had just finished recording both of those episodes. And we were like, maybe we don't like try and play this entire ass video game in one week. Uh, yeah. It w- <laughs> so we just like rushed. shifted the bonus to Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart because you and I were both playing it already. I was pretty
1: much at the end. You were pretty much at the end. It's like, why not? Why not just make that the bonus this month? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I think sometimes the bonuses, there's like three like kind of archetypes where it's like, okay, this is a game that we've already played that we want to put more time into discussing. Then there's like, we're making a mission to play this game we haven't played before or like yeah. want to revisit. And, and I, yeah, we were just honest with the time we had A lot of um, I think we'll probably do We'll definitely do more Zelda content at some point, but we didn't want to rush that game.
0: Yeah, that that in particular is a game that I've like wanted to and tried to play a bunch over the course of my life and have just like never really had the, the like reason to sit down and actually do it and uh playing it all within like three or four days just didn't seem like the right move you know
1: yeah absolutely it'll
0: happen eventually um but honestly i mean skyward sword hd is coming soon that's gonna be an interesting experience i think for both of us uh yeah i think that'll probably be the next Zelda game we talk about if i were to guess
1: potentially yeah i uh i'm very excited to go back to it and see how i feel because i feel like it's it's uh it's just so funny i I mentioned this before but it's like that game came out at kind of a weird time at the end of the wii's life it did very well like critically and commercially but like amongst fans it was always like the bad one basically right you know yeah or thought of as the bad one other than like the cdi ones of course and then it's like okay this is the time to go in with fresh eyes and nintendo's like completely fumbled the like hype cycle for it (laughs) they they announced it at like you're expecting breath of the wild 2 instead here's skyward sword yeah there's the whole Amiibo stuff like it's just so funny that like this game cannot catch a break. It's yeah. like permanently in this awful <laughs> release.
0: Yeah, this was their chance to just kind of, I don't know, heal
1: all of our broken hearts about that game. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to go back. There's a lot to like about that game, especially with Groose, who is maybe like our unofficial mascot at this point. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I do. I do. It's still Zelda. I think I said this before. My like current take on skyward sword from my memory of it is if it wasn't a zelda game it would have been a cult hit on the wii yeah and that's kind of i think probably how i'll still feel um but we'll see what happens yeah anyway so i'm excited to talk about that game when it comes out
0: but just like in general I, I think uh now that you and i no longer are in the background silently playing as many game boy advance games as possible we're just kind of like free to i don't know be looser experience more stuff play more Let's stuff which out. is nice yeah. yeah we can just hang out we can stretch our legs a little bit which is which is a nice situation I can to be in. Finally-
1: stretch i've been stiff all day from playing game boy advance <laughs> yeah I, I do think too like there's a possibility now that that type of episode will be our season premiere going forward we're like still not completely settled on that but again if that's something you'd like to see let us know and that could be something we like plan on you know six months in advance kind of thing yeah i have some but thoughts we'll i have some thoughts for next time. <gasps> i have some ideas of what you're thinking about <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, speaking of games that you have wanted to sit down with and give a proper time to experience, you have been playing a game that means a lot to me. Playing is very generous, but keep going. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, full disclosure, it is Chrono Trigger, yeah. one of my favorite games of all time, a very beloved game by many. Um, I actually was playing it, for whatever reason, it's it's one of the games I will play whenever I make a trip home. Like whenever I That's interesting. fly to Jersey, uh, I have a few like airport games or like games that I'll play like while I'm visiting my family's home. Yeah, I, I tend to play the DS version, um, which apparently is incredibly hard to find. I've been like, uh, you know, laissez-faire, but like, oh, if you want to play the game, get the DS one. It's like $200. I guess I got it when it was cheap. Yeah. But anyway, I, I had been revisiting it and that was one of the games I wanted to talk about when we were together in person But we had, you know, an event later that night, and we had to cut the episode short. So I have that kind of like recent experience to pull on, um, and I've played through the game countless times. It's like one of the games I always go back to, which I'm excited to talk about. Anyway, you've been revisiting it, or trying to. I've been trying to visit it at all. Yeah, trying to visit it. (laughs) You've been at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, look. I expect like actual
0: Chrono Trigger content at some point, probably like what what I've been doing over the past two days is not playing Chrono Trigger as much as it is like trying to understand the pros and cons of every version that exists. And like, I don't know, maybe settling on the way I'm going to play it. So just to be clear, Chrono Trigger came out on the Super Nintendo. Uh, there was then a port on the PlayStation 1. There's another port on the Nintendo DS. There's another port for Steam that's available on Mac and PC. And then there was a final port. Uh, to mobile and that's like the most recent version that mobile port came out like years ago at this point on android and ios and pretty much every version has its pros and cons for the most part with the exception of the ds version which it seems like based on the discussion online and based on what you've said to me is like so far and away the best way to play it but again is like you know one to two hundred dollars if you wanted to play it on the actual hardware so I spent uh, the past couple days just like trying out all the versions I owned because I like you said, I've been trying to play this game for like years and years. I know it's really important. I know it's incredible. I always like had this weird version of it in my head that's like this will be my first big RPG. And now that's obviously long gone. For those of you who are like new to the show, I I would say like the season two era is when I decided that I really wanted to actually get into RPGs and like made a real like point to go and do that and like it worked I play a lot of them now Um, but uh, you know now that I have that kind of Understanding of the genre and what I like about it now, and you know, where it's come from and where it's going and where it is. I, I wanted to go back and like really give Chrono Trigger another shot, so I, I played it uh, a little bit on the Super Nintendo version because that seemed to be like everybody's second favorite after the DS right. version. Again, yeah, it's the original. I also have it on mobile and I also have it on Steam, so I was like, let me play the first like 15 to 20 minutes on all of these versions and see which one is my favorite. And what I landed on, I think, unfortunately, is that the DS version is probably still the best. Best one, and I'm gonna have to try and find it somehow. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna do it. Um, I I, I've seen it for like less than a hundred dollars, which is nice. I also have, as I've mentioned recently, I have like a a local like used game store near my house that I could like hit up and be like, hey, if anybody trades in Chrono Trigger for DS, let me know or something. um So that's nice. But yeah, it's it's really fascinating. You know, coming hot off the heels of playing the Game Boy Advance games and, and, you know, our very long discussions about like Nintendo kind of choosing to ignore this or only choosing to focus on it when they get to remake it and, you know, sell it for $60 again and just like not preserving that piece of their history in any meaningful capacity which leads people down avenues of like emulators and roms and like doing all this weird shit to like try and play these games that they grew up loving that are just like unavailable because of resale price or whatever i feel very similarly about chrono trigger with square enix where like this is like a tentpole franchise as you've mentioned in the past because we've brought up this this game like once or twice at least um but as as you mentioned in the past it's like like a dream team of creators who put this game together like it seems like the kind of thing You would not only want to be holding up and have, like, a really, like, great version of it available at all times because it's a huge piece of your history, but, like, also a franchise that it's weird just, like, doesn't exist anymore. Like, they just kind of never kept on going with it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Shocking. It really does feel like kind of a lightning in a bottle game though. I mean, and this you mentioned how you wanted Chrono Trigger to be your first big RPG. I feel like more I said cosmically a lot, but it just makes sense in this context. Yeah. It feels like it's now your almost final destination. Where like you have, you know, <laughs> not enjoyed, the movie franchise, hopefully. Uh exactly. Uh, the the fourth one specifically. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm next, but then I dodged fate. So you're next? <laughs> I just have an image of there's a character in the first movie eating like cat food. Forget about that whole series. Anyway, (laughs) this game is made, you know, Yuji Hori, creator of Dragon Quest, your muse. Uh, You love (laughs) Dragon Quest. Yeah. The soundtrack is it was Nebu Umatsu and then he got really sick and then Yasunori Matsuda replaced him as the... uh, Orchestrator, yeah, and so you have like two of the best composers, right. <laughs> and you can hear it. Like the, if nothing else, this game's music is is unreal. Yeah, and you have Sakaguchi uh, of Mistwalker fame and and Creator Final of Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So like, and Akira Toriyama on the art. Right. So just an unreal team. It it really does feel like this Venn diagram of like every RPG and like the artistry within the genre. It's incredible. And what they've created is just like um, another thing that you would love is like it it really is like Back to the Future Dragon Quest, you know, like it is a really simple but heartfelt time traveling adventure that is just like even though like it very much is a retro rpg it still feels so fresh and it still i think has so many lessons to learn specifically and i've learned this and again maybe this is because we do a video game podcast but i really feel like brevity has been lost in the rpg genre i think so many games aim to be endless And like, there's a place in which a game's length could pay off. I think a game like Skyrim sort of being this open, whatever you want it to be a game, you can just sink time into Stardew Valley, similar thing, you know, Persona, even though I do think it tends to overstay its welcome sometimes, like it has that life sim part of it that like makes it more manageable in terms of like, okay, there's a part of this game that I just want to get lost in. But for like a start to finish story, that's sort of like going for a Dragon Quest like adventure. Capping it at like 20 hours is really so beneficial, you know, and then it's like it's the kind of story that you can revisit time and time again because, you know, you can actually see it through. And it's not, you know, one of I always think of the hard drive article that's like world's biggest Final Fantasy fan has finished most of the or has finished some of the games. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's literally I feel like, you know, too close to home yeah but anyway i just i love this game even still i think we'll probably talk more specifically about what makes it great once like we're both you know more engaged with it um actively but uh yeah i i still adore this game and, and it's so like unfortunate that there's no easy way to get it when it is like Truly one of Square's best RPGs. I mean, I think when you talk about this era, it's always FF6 and Chrono Trigger. And I love FF6. I've i I've bullied you into playing FF6 one day. But Chrono Trigger is the one. I think FF6, similar to our constant like referral to like Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn one being the next step and one being like the best parts of that genre up until that point yeah that really does feel like what FF6 and Chrono Trigger are where FF6 is like here's like everything we've learned from the past five Final Fantasies and like this is the swan song of this genre giant ensemble right cool plot like you know great presentation but Chrono Trigger is like A little bit, in that era of RPG, there were a lot of developers who were tackling with like real-time versus turn-based. You know, they had series like Trials of Mana where they went in more of a real-time direction. And then you have other games that kind of try to do a little bit of both. And Chrono Trigger's way of like, using placement and having like enemies roaming and characters like positioning matter while there are like turn meters building up and then if you have two characters have their turn together you can have a move at the same time that they'll like do like a tag team thing it really does feel like the super nintendo version of ff7 remake like i'm actually amazed at how much it shares with that game yeah you know more limited capacity but um I, I wrote about this game, too. I, for a while ago on our Medium page, I wrote about, like, RPGs that I consider good gateways into the genre. It kind of ended up just being, like, here are my favorite RPGs. <laughs> I wrote about <laughs> Mass Effect 2, Three Houses, Chrono Trigger, and Undertale. But I do think I make a case for each of them as to why, like, they are a good place to start. And more importantly, what they showcase about the genre and what makes it special. And I think what I really love about Chrono Trigger, without getting too into the plot, is that it begins pretty low stakes. Like you're just a kid at a fair you make some friends your your friend Luca is a scientist and she's like trying it's so funny that she's invented Star Trek beaming and no one cares like she's at like the Millennium Fair uh in this town and she's like I made a teleportation device could you like come to be like the one audience member and that in combination with your friend's necklace turns into a time machine by accident in which you go back to the middle ages and you have like a fun adventure with a frog uh, with a Shakespearean accent Um, although not in the DS version it's the one fatal flaw of the DS version is it's it's localized better but they got rid of the it is funny though
0: though. it's like every
1: version of it
0: has a (laughs) has a thing that's a drawback which like is a bummer so like the, the Super Nintendo version I started playing and it's like, it's pretty good, I think. You know, it's obviously the original. There's a reason that it's such a big deal. But like, by modern standards, the UI is like really difficult to deal with, I found. But like everything else about it is great. You know, I feel like if you learn the UI, you'll probably be fine. But I was like, OK, cool. So let me check out this mobile version because it was very much on sale recently. So I, I got the mobile version. I started playing that. I have the backbone controller. So like it works with that, which is great as well. But that, like all of the other Square Enix mobile ports, has just like helvetica as the font it's not even helvetica it's like arial as the font and they they've apparently like changed some of the translations uh, or like some of the localization is different it's just like all around this really strange dichotomy between like this pretty good pixel art that like it seems like they've kind of updated the art a little bit to make it work better on mobile phones and that it's also just kind of made it worse with this like not great font and even worse ui which like i guess was supposed to work well on mobile but kind of doesn't and then you have the the steam version which is like kind of the same deal as the mobile version and then the playstation version which like is known for just being kind of a mess
1: yeah that, that's that's actually the worst one weirdly yeah
0: yeah uh there's apparently like long load times and stuff um and that just kind of leaves the ds version as this like strange middle ground between all of them where it's you kind of just get like the best of everything where like they didn't update the art too much from the super nintendo version the ui is more manageable because it's on the bottom screen in a lot of instances and there's like added content and stuff but simultaneously there are certain things that are changed about it that are like well if you want like the real experience you should go play the super nintendo version but if you want the full experience you should go play the ds version it's like yeah why 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 is that the way that this is you know like why How come ever, it's it's like the the George Lucas like adding radios yes. to Indiana Jones deal? You know,
1: it's like why? Yeah, the frogs has McClunky when he uh, when he shows up. <laughs> I mean, I I do think the DS version is localized better, um, but there is some charm in like the original dialogue. But what's funny about Frog's Shakespearean accent is that when you're in the Middle Ages, no one else talks like that. It's just him, which is so funny. Yeah, yeah, really quick. What I love about the way the plot develops in that game is that it starts off low stakes and is like sort of this fun time travel tale. And then, you know, once they have that experience in the Middle Ages, they go into it again and they end up in the future. And it's like a fallout dystopia. And they learned the world was destroyed by this alien parasite called um and it's a really harrowing moment like it's really it it really kind of catches you off guard similar to moments in dragon quest that suddenly get really dark you know like it shares that with dragon quest 5 or like it starts off and it's like cute and fun and then you're like oh my god (laughs) um but you know this moment happens and and everyone watching it is like horrified but then like immediately they're like well wait a minute we can maybe prevent this from happening you know we have a time machine they recently you know had a smaller scale thing where they prevented something bad from happening by like changing events sort of so the rules of time travel are kind of simple but they're like we can Alter this so that we can save our future. And there's something really nice and really inspiring about an RPG where like the chosen heroes take that upon themselves. Like all they're given is the knowledge of their destruction. Mm -hmm. And that is what incites the adventure. It's not you're the chosen one. You're not given a sword or anything. You're just three people that witness like, the doom of of society and want to prevent that from happening, it's really powerful. You know, as simple as as it is, I find that to be one of the best things about the game and why it's so, like, it's so easy to, like, fall in love with this cast and root for them. And they're just so fun. I mean, it's like very simple... Archetypes. You've got like the childhood best friend, who's the scientist. You have like your new friend, who's secretly a princess. Got a robot, a medieval frog. It's great. What what is not to love about it?
0: Yeah, I don't know any of this yet, because <laughs> again, <laughs> oh, it's I've only really played spoiler, the first yeah. twenty minutes on like every platform <laughs> that exists. But I'm excited to experience all the stuff you're talking about. I'm sorry if I if I lightly spoiled it. But honestly, that's like. The very beginning, yeah. It's table stakes. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah,
1: it's stuff you would know in the intro cutscene you've already watched. Yes. Um, so, anyway, I uh, didn't
0: do anything wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna get the DS version. Is my plan. I think. Uh Hell and, yeah. and I'm gonna. I'm just gonna do it. Cause like, why not? I mean, I'm already in this world where like I keep going back to the retro store to buy like Game Boy Advance games. Like, why not? Why not just you know take the extra step and do it again with the DS? I did. I do want to mention. You know, it's it's funny because it didn't make it on either of our top tens, but I did go out and get a copy of Golden Sun for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, yeah. Because I just wanted it as like a memento of having done that episode. Yeah. Which like, who knows? Maybe I'll actually like give it another shot one day and like play it. But uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. it's, It's still a good time. It just, you know. It's tough to compare to other RPGs yeah. on the same console. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know what, though? Let's take a break and talk about a new Camelot game. Um, <laughs> okay. That, uh, I loved that segue, by the way. Thanks.
1: Actually, that was great.
0: I I can't believe the discussion that we're going to have about Mario Golf oh. Super Rush when we come back. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. Okay. okay. Goodbye. I'll talk to you soon. Steven hi hey we're back uh talking about a, n- a new game release believe it or not
1: sure. <laughs> okay. that's my formative experience with mario golf because when it, it was if you're playing local multiplayer yeah and it was someone else's turn you could just yell during their turn with the oh C really guns. oh yeah man i mean that's why i think no one wanted to play with me because sunny so in the first mario golf on the n64 yeah similar to advanced tour it was like a mix of mario characters and just like people yeah so there was like plum charlie and sunny right uh and sunny would go four and hurry up uh and also (laughs) (laughs) the disappointed one was always unsettling because he would go like oh like like, you could do it over and over again (laughs) four oh um so anyway, that's my that's my formative experience with it. Yeah. Of course, Donkey Kong, the famous... Blah, 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 like yeah, classic. Oh my God, it's yeah. so
0: good. Yeah. Hurry up! So look, there's a new Mario Golf game out. It's called Mario Golf Super Rush. It's out on Nintendo Switch. As of this week, you and I are coming at this from an interesting angle, having just played a whole bunch of Mario Golf Advance Tour on the Game Boy yeah. Advance, which looking back, I mean, seems to be the one that everybody points to is like, this is the way to make a Mario Golf game. Yeah. Which... You know, it was towards the top of my list. I think it was number five on my list uh, when all was said and done. I love that game. I think it's incredible. You and I have also talked a lot about Golf Story, which essentially is taking exactly what happens in Mario Golf Advance Tour and like running with it kind of as far as you can, even like just kind of becoming more like goofy and cartoonish in a way. Um, that, That game is so not about actually playing golf you know um <laughs> they just kind of right. got rid of the like just play normal golf part for golf story which i think was a great choice uh yeah. that, that, that game extremely rules if you haven't played golf story on the switch like definitely go get it i mean it's, it's just a great game yeah
1: and sports story is on the horizon somewhere I'm yeah it's on
0: delayed again i think recently but like yeah i you know every time they update it it sounds exactly like um team cherry with hollow knight and silksong and stuff or like every time they post an update it's like the game got bigger sorry it's gonna take a while longer it's like <laughs> cool man like as long as long as you know you're not like in a scope creep scenario and you like know that you can finish it like i'm cool you know but sports story is now like i don't know five or six different sports you know Uh, and each campaign is like the same size as golf story was so incredible uh, damn that's gonna be wild yeah Uh, anyway so look camelot over the years has essentially turned into like the mario sports company pretty much you know that yeah although they had their like big kind of RPG hit with Golden Sun and then the sequel and then the DS sequel, I believe, was the next one. You know, when Golden Sun started fizzling out from a sales perspective and like a critical response perspective, uh, they just kind of became like, we're just making Mario Golf we're just making Mario Tennis. Like that became their thing. I think they've done other stuff alongside that, but like that's pretty much the focus, you know. So every couple of years we've gotten a new Mario Golf game from them. Uh, You know, it started with Mario Golf on the N64 and then Advanced Tour and Toadstool Tour on the GameCube. There was one for the 3DS that I, I think was called world tour and has culminated in in this week's release which is mario golf super rush which like i was tentative about hesitant but you know optimistic because here's the thing and and i want to make this very clear before we go into the segment like my expectation for mario golf super rush was that i would be able to just play golf in it like i just i just wanted to play normal ass golf uh and anything you know beyond that was cool and that may seem like a strange request like why would why would you just want to be able to play regular golf well that's because their most recent game Mario Tennis Aces for the Nintendo Switch didn't allow you to just play tennis in it
1: yeah <laughs> they they basically made it like who can break each other's racket first yeah so I think they even said they wanted it to be more like a fighting game than tennis yeah I mean which they accomplished like if you judge the game on its intention like they did that but that's not sure. what I wanted out of it so yeah I think if they had that as an optional mode that would have been fine. It's like have the normal tennis and also have that, which seems to be what they did with this game with like, you can play normal golf and you can also play speed golf If it was just speed golf, it would have been a lot. Uh, But anyway, I had not played it yet. You have So I'm I'm curious what you think.
0: Yeah. So look, I I went into it with that expectation was like, as long as they get regular golf right and I could just like sit back and have the most chill fucking time playing regular golf, you know, on my Nintendo Switch against Luigi. Like, cool. Like, that's that's sick. I'm I'm down for that. I didn't know that I need
1: to point out. I need to point out that you so heavily implied that you were by default Waluigi that just by saying against Luigi you don't have have to specify otherwise he is the villain yeah it's so good I love I love how understated but strong that was
0: Luigi is always the villain every time I'm allowed (laughs) to make that happen
1: our version of the Mario canon is like so interesting I I need someone to make like a like a Zelda timeline of our Mario head canon yeah Miitopia I think is the skyward sword of that (laughs) What is the hero lost? Is that like (laughs) the invention of baby Mario?
0: (laughs) So look, I, uh, that's all I really wanted out of this game. I, I had heard that there was going to be an adventure mode. We saw more of it during E3. I said during the E3 bonus, um, but I'll say it again here. My thing with the Nintendo direct during E3 was I was like 50%, I think about the new Mario Golf and then I saw the Treehouse stream and they showed off a bunch more of the adventure mode and it was like oh yeah this is like a no-brainer now because the adventure mode they they showed for a little while starting with a character who was level one like this is what your experience is like when you're starting adventure mode and then they switched over to somebody else on the Treehouse stream who was level like 50 something and they were like in the middle of a desert like fighting a big phoenix by hitting them with golf balls and I was like this is fucking wild like I just need to know what this (laughs) progression is like um you know so like the fact that I could get Mario Golf And it's just regular-ass golf. And then on the side, there's this adventure mode. And then there's also speed golf, which they've been... You know, the game's called Super Rush. There's this emphasis on another mode called speed golf, in which you hit the ball, uh, and then you just pick up all your clubs, and you run as fast as you can to where the ball lands, so you can go hit it again. Uh, And the longer you take, the more strokes it adds to your your overall score. So obviously, the faster you are, the lower your score is going to be, and that's how you win. Which is, like, cool. It's a cool idea. And I think... We'll get into this later, but actually solve some of the problems that you and I had with Advanced Tour, which again, seems to be the benchmark that people want this game to clear. So... I went into this being like, cool. So I have regular golf. I have adventure mode. And then there's speed golf also is like a cool extra mode that I get to play. This seems like a pretty compelling package as long as like the main crux of it, which is just playing golf is like fine. And it is. Uh, I'll say this right at the top. I love this game. I'm liking it a whole lot. I've played so much of it in a very short period of time. And that has caused me to go on the Internet and see what other people think about it, because I'm just curious, like, (laughs) what's the what's the response to this game? And it is vitriolic in a way I wasn't expecting. I didn't think that Going into this episode, me saying I like Mario Golf Super Rush because it's relaxing to play golf was going to be like a hot take or like a weird hot button issue or as if I needed to like don some armor and chain mail and shit and go to war. <laughs> There's like a crusade against this game on the internet and I'm not going to get super into it. I'm not going to go like, I'm not going to go like point by point all the things that people dislike about it and like, you know, fucking nit- nitpick people's uh, objections to it. But the way people talk about this game on the internet Is shocking to me because this game, like, it made me realize. You know, in the lead up to it, what I wanted out of a Mario Golf game is very different than what other people seem to want. And what other people seem to want is all over the map. And that's really what's like confusing to me. Right. Um, I don't know what people wanted out of Mario Golf Super Rush that they're not getting because I went back and this is I, I want to be very clear. I went back and played Toadstool Tour on the GameCube for like a couple hours yesterday because that was the one that I kept seeing people point to as like, you know, why can't it be like Toadstool Tour? All right. I just played a bunch of uh, advanced tour, obviously, it, in my top 10. I love that game. I went back and played the N64 one for a bit yesterday as well. Like, I'm really trying to understand what people want from Mario Golf that they're not getting from this. And I really think that there isn't an answer. Like, I really think it's all based in, like, kind of ethereal nothingness there's this like (laughs) there's this idea of what mario golf has been over the course of everyone's entire lifetimes that is very different than what's actually there if you go play those games and mario golf super rush is a really good entry like really good entry into the overall like canon of mario sports games in my opinion i have been like really blown away by it
1: yeah i mean this is a really interesting conversation I, i i have a few points to make i mean obviously i think this goes without saying that like everyone is is free to have their opinion on the game. If they don't like it, that's fine. Yeah. And obviously you're not arguing against that. But I think there's something very fascinating and a little disturbing about, we talked about this a little bit off the show and I I think it's worth touching on. Sometimes this kind of part of the Nintendo fandom's reaction to like new games, I think was most present with Sword and Shield coming out. Yeah. You know, and we talked about that a lot. I won't get too much more into that. We've already sort of discussed it, but like before that game even existed, there was sort of a campaign against it. Yeah, And then when it came out, there was just this, like, this, you know, kind of zeitgeist of, like, finding any excuse to, like, rip the entire game apart. And look, we both liked that game a lot. If you were to rank it in, like, the Pokemon series, it's, like, kind of in the middle. Like, it's not, like, one of the best entries. Yeah. um, But it did a lot of cool things. And it was, like, you know... At least with Pokemon, as we've said, like, you can criticize that series for not changing a lot. And, like, you can be disappointed with where that game landed because it definitely felt like, okay, here's another Pokemon game in this sort of, like, 3DS era and not, like, the console Pokemon game that, like people wanted it to be. So I get that disappointment, but like the ways in which that conversation like devolved into like, I want this to be this. It really does share a lot in common with star Wars where it's like, there are certain IPs that get so big that people have really fabricated their own idea of what it should be for them. And again, that's fine to have, like, I think star Wars in, in particular is a big enough IP that like, you could prefer the EU stuff or you could prefer like the novels or the movies or mm-hmm. whatever. Nights of the Old Republic. Like you could love that and not really care for the original trilogy. You could love the prequels and nothing else have your opinion and flaunt it. It's great. I love your opinion. But I think there's this tendency to like, say, this is of no value to me, you have to fix it or remake it for me. How dare you ruin my childhood. And it's like, yeah, the phrase ruining my childhood, you are projecting a parental figure on the creative team of a game that is like, beyond Freudian, you know, like that is something you have to work out. To say Nintendo ruined your childhood as if they raised you is like (laughs) wild. Yeah. And I think with Mario Golf, it's like, Mario Golf has had moments of greatness yeah. in terms of, like, what it could be, but it very much is always just Mario playing golf. There's no buried child narrative of, like, a prodigal missing son <laughs> and a family that has overgrown itself. There's no, like, there's really nothing beyond Mario playing golf. So I think the fact that this game has become as controversial as a new Pokemon is really a sign that, like, there's a part of the Nintendo fandom that, like, unless you release specifically like a masterpiece or something that like is extremely catered to a specific vision that they've already fabricated, it's going to be ripped apart. Yeah. You know, and and it, it just seems like that is like kind of how some conversations happen. I'm not saying it's like everyone, obviously, but I do think there's like this kind of muscle memory to like bash Nintendo for releasing a new game and look you and I have often said fuck Nintendo there's so much to (laughs) criticize Nintendo for we just we literally already have in this episode right (laughs) (laughs) I mean again like game yeah. preservation uh, releasing games that are available until March 30th and then getting rid of them to celebrate an anniversary. Locking fast travel to an amiibo in an, an upcoming amiibo. video game. Yeah. There's <laughs> so much shit that like I don't blame anyone for like being weary of Nintendo and wishing that they would change their ways but like releasing a Mario Golf game in which Mario can play golf is like not one of the things to yeah. get mad at. So I agree I think it is really a sign of a deeper issue that this game has become like you ruined my childhood but letting mario play golf because like what is again like what did you expect this to be other than that
0: that's that's kind of that's my big like overarching question is i just i i didn't see any wild expectations that were out of whack because like sometimes sometimes when you're online and you're like present for these kinds of conversations you know in the lead up to things you can see where like online communities have kind of lost the plot in terms of their own expectation you know um and and like I think a great example actually is Breath of the Wild 2 where there's like a lot of stuff about like oh you're going to play as Link uh, sorry as Ganon or as Zelda or something and like that's why they didn't didn't show their face it's like you're going to play as Link probably you know if if you're not (laughs) if you're playing as anyone but Link it'll be like a nice surprise you know it'll be like a nice to have but right now there's a very deeply embedded community of people online who are like this is the expectation now this isn't just you know conjecture based on a trailer that we saw this is now fact because of you know a couple people on YouTube who like yelled really loud into a microphone and like said that this is probably going to happen. Like now you believe that it's true. It's the same thing with rumors in general. Like all rumors are like 55 to 60% of the way there, but that last 40% is is where people's expectations get mismanaged you know
1: yeah and again it's like it's impossible to not have expectations and and like to be disappointed is to be human i have multiple times had games i'm excited for that ended up disappointing me and i was sad about it yeah but like there's another angle where it's like you were unconsciously setting yourself up to be angry you know and that's where it's like There's really got to be a conversation about that because like that's not healthy.
0: Yeah, I think I think one of the more interesting things and this is now getting into like, you know, online community like reporting and stuff. But like you can start you can start to see the same phrases being used in people's like distaste for a thing. You know, like when when you're looking at like a, a Reddit thread, for example, of like people who are angry about Mario Golf. And all of them like use the same exact verbiage to describe the things they don't like. It's like clear that it's coming from somewhere. You know, it's clear that it's like being parroted from either a YouTube video or like, I don't know, someone big on Twitter or something, you know, like you can tell that somebody who has some kind of power who like exists just to like dunk on shit on the Internet said a thing that has now become like fact and it has been like etched into the stone tablet and it's going to be repeated forever. One of the things, for example, for Mario Golf Super Rush is that there's only quote-unquote only six courses and because of that it's not worth $60 like that's like one of the things I keep seeing over and over again is like there's only six courses in this game like how could you sell a $60 game with this with only six golf courses you know like oh the last one on 3ds had 10 so therefore like this needs to have more which like on first of all on one hand yeah this game is getting free content updates and they've already said that they're adding new courses including new donk city as a course which I'm like fucking amped for it's gonna be sick even if it's not it's a free thing I'm getting that's added onto the game I already bought and and I don't think that you should judge a game based on what the developer says is coming ever. You should always judge it based on the thing that you actually got when you paid for it. Anything else is just, you know, icing on on the cake. But like my... Question is okay. What do they do with those six courses? Like okay, there's six in here, but what's up with them? Like tell tell me more about those six courses. Like maybe there's six great courses, you know. On top of that, they're like woven into the story. They're uh, able to be played via like regular golf or speed golf. Like there's a lot of variability with those six courses that I think is really interesting. For example, I didn't even realize this until I was like I don't know level twenty or something in the adventure mode, which I've been playing a whole bunch. One of the courses, when you're introduced to it, they introduce a whole new version of golf, another new golf mode that they didn't even talk about in like any of the marketing that just appears for a little bit. That's called cross country golf, which essentially you have the whole course And you have three holes that you need to land, like you need to get the ball into three holes, but you can hit them in any order. And as soon as you get the ball in a hole, you have to immediately like start from there to kind of find your way to the next hole. Um, And this course is like mountainous it's like really kind of hilly there are like tornadoes all over the place that you have to like hit the ball into to get it to like fly up onto a cliffside. there's like a lot of really interesting shit going on here and it's only around for a little bit and like that's just another cool way of using one of the six courses that only exists for a little while you know there's like a lot of really interesting ideas in this game that i feel like are being discounted because there's quote-unquote only six courses like it's just one of those things i keep seeing repeated over and over again there's another one where people keep complaining about like again i'm not going to go point by point there's just these two in particular that like really are i I think exemplify the whole situation where it's like there are broader questions to be asked here the other one is that people are confused i think about the idea of like rng uh or like you know uh with your accuracy when you hit a ball so if you power up your shot it's a classic mario golf thing when you power up your shot it fills up a meter you have to hit a button at the top of the meter to hit like the top powerful like as far as you can hit and then you hit it again for your accuracy uh you know and within that there's a bunch of different stuff you can do adding top spin back spin you know curve it left or right like a bunch of shit you know like angle it up angle it down so it flies low like there's a bunch of stuff you can do within that but it's a classic thing you've seen in literally every mario golf game and then some i mean it's in like every golf game pretty much at this point there's there's this thing that they've added which i think is fascinating where if you hit a ball at max power, it's you know, it's just like a classic like rectangle that fills up. But on the side of the rectangle are these kind of like deviation points where the rectangle gets wider the closer to the top you get. And that's how much deviation there's going to be to the left or right. Like maybe you don't hit the ball exactly straight on. Maybe you hit it a little bit to the left or to the right by accident. And that happens because you hit the ball as hard as you possibly fucking could. Like you use all of your power to hit that ball. So that part, if if you hit the ball towards the top there's going to be a little bit of added randomness to like how exactly did you hit that ball that's affected by your stats. Obviously, you can like level up your stats in the adventure mode to change how variable that's going to be. But I, th- I think it's like a fascinating addition to the strategy of the game. It's like it's not actually always beneficial to just hit the ball as hard as you fucking can, just like in real golf, how that's usually not the case either. So you need to be a little bit more strategic and like not, you know, hit it all the way at the top of the bar, but maybe a little bit lower than the bar where that deviation is going to be the lowest. Like, that's an interesting strategic choice that they've added to the game that I've found to be really rewarding once I kind of got the hang of it. But that's, again, another thing where, like, I keep seeing people say, like, oh, yeah, there's RNG in the accuracy. So, like, the game sucks. Like, it's not worth $60. (laughs) Like, what? Like, judge the game by its intention. It's a thing you and I used to say a lot on the show, and we haven't said as much. But I think in this case, it's, like, really worth bringing up again. Like, when we talk about games, we judge them or, like, we talk about them based on what the game set out to accomplish. Like, what, what did the game want to be? What did the developers want this thing? to be and at the end of the day what mario golf super rush wanted to be was like the best mario golf game in a long time which i imagine is what they always want but in this case i think they listened to what the fans wanted bringing back an adventure mode it's short it's like six to eight hours i think but it exists and it didn't in the last couple games so like that's cool they added speed golf as like a new way to play golf quicker which was one of your and my big complaint points about advanced tour was like every time you sit down to play the story mode it's like 18 whole ass holes of golf which like (laughs) takes forever it's like 30 to 40 minutes every time you sit down to play that game and unless you're playing it on an emulator there's no way to like stop because you know if you just turn the game boy off then that's it So Speed Golf weirdly kind of solves that problem by saying like, oh, yeah, you could jump in and play nine holes really quick because you literally are sprinting every time (laughs) you hit the ball and everyone's playing at the same time. It's another big part of Speed Golf is like if it's you and three other characters, all four of you are hitting the ball at the same time and you're sprinting, you're like knocking into each other. It's kind of like Mario Kart in a way. Where like you get items on the field that allow you to like do different things, that allow you to like, you know, whack Yoshi in the face as you're running or like kick their ball <laughs> into the sand or something. Like it's fun. It's a cool idea. They added another mode called Battle Golf, which I didn't even know existed, which is like literally what if you played Mario Golf with Uh, Mario Kart items like you get bombs and bananas and stuff like that and you're playing in kind of like a Mario Kart uh, balloon battlefield um, and you need to hit and like score as many uh, as many as you can essentially you just have to like hit the ball into as many holes as possible and they're all over the place that's just like a whole other mode that they've added to the top of this and then again the adventure mode kind of plays with the idea of what a Mario Golf mechanic could be used for every single mechanic is used in a really interesting way, just like the Phoenix uh, boss battle in the desert that I was describing, like there's some interesting stuff going on in that, like needing to have mastered these mechanics so completely that you know exactly how the ball is going to hit that Phoenix in the face when you hit it, you know? it's all really interesting like they they've done a really good job here and watching it just get kind of like thrown in the trash by people on the internet has been like really fascinating for me it's been like, it's like a huge disconnect where I'm like am I wrong for liking this and it, it kind of led me down this rabbit hole of like looking at the reviews and seeing what the reviews said because the one that really convinced me to check it out was our, our friend Chris Plants review he like loved it for Polygon yeah I, I think the the headline was something along the lines of like it's one of the best Mario sports games in like over a decade something like that uh so Chris Plant being like, I really like this game. Also knowing that he is playing a lot of Clap Hands Golf, which is a game that I also really enjoyed from this year and have played a whole lot of. Knowing that he feels that way about Mario Golf was like the incentive for me to go check it out. But then I was like, okay, so his seems to be the outlier here. Let me go see what the other more critical reviews are. And like, they're like pretty good. You know, they're like C plus B minus kind of reviews. Like, not to like throw scores on reviews that don't have scores, but like, they're like pretty good. You know, there's like yeah. a couple things here and there. Some people do wish that there was more variety in the courses. Some people wish that, you know, the adventure mode was longer or that uh, cross-country golf didn't exist because I understand why it can be frustrating, but also it's like a fun way to uh, switch it up so you're not just playing 18 holes of golf over and over and over and over again. I have found this game to be like exactly what I wanted and then some, which is like pretty good. And I want to be very clear. I'm not saying this is like incredible. You need to go out and get it. It's not like a must have on the Switch. But if you like want a pretty good golf game on the Nintendo Switch that also has Mario and like some other weird shit in it, like this is a great game to pick up. I'm enjoying it a lot. And when they add more stuff to it, it'll only become better to me. Yeah,
1: it's interesting for Mario Golf as a series because I think when we talked about uh, Super Circuit, the Game Boy Advance Mario Kart, yeah, your your revelation with that was that like the foundation of Mario Kart as a series is so strong, but, like every Mario Kart is pretty great yeah i think mario kart is is interesting as an outlier in the mario sports games because like mario tennis and mario golf they do have like you know some mario mechanics in them and like optional modes that you wouldn't find in like a regular tennis game or regular golf game yeah but they largely play like those games like if you were going to play like a tiger woods game after mario golf you would know what to do whereas like mario kart is very much in its own world as a genre you know like there were other Diddy Kong Racing tried to do the same thing. Uh, Konami Crazy Racers on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, man. Shrek 2 Kart. Shrek 2 Kart. uh, Crash Team Racing. There are a lot of Mario Kart clones, but I feel like Mario Kart is like the undisputed champ of that genre that that game created. Yeah. So it's like Mario Kart is kind of in its own world, whereas Mario Golf and Mario Tennis are just very much like, here's a Mario branded sports game. Yeah. So like... That, that's, I think, the weird thing is, yeah, like or dislike this game. You're, you're entitled to your opinion. And I haven't played it yet, so I, I have nothing to say about how how this game is but i think like it's just again it's it's a little bit weird that that this game has become like pokemon is kind of to be expected at this point it's a giant series and like while it becomes hyperbolic there is a desire to see them do something new you know like that actually is a is a pretty like grounded thought it's just a matter of how you communicate that (laughs) yeah anyway All that to say, yeah, it's it's interesting how how a game that's like always kind of just been like a here's another one of these has become a point of controversy.
0: Yeah, right. I, I, I even remember when the 3DS one came out, people being like iffy about it. And now it's kind of being held up as like, remember when Mario Golf was good? Uh, yeah. which is really fascinating to me. Like this game is so serviceable and is trying so many interesting things. And like, you don't have to play them also is the other thing. Like you don't have to do right. speed golf. If you don't want to. I actually spent a whole chunk of yesterday just, believe it or not, playing 18 holes of like regular golf over and over again just to unlock all the levels. Because like you don't have to do adventure mode to unlock the levels. You could just play 18 holes of golf on any of them and then you unlock the next one, you move on. Which has been great. Like I'm having a really good time with this game. Um, And, and this isn't like... Just to be clear... This, this isn't me being like, I like this game. Why does nobody else like this game? Why is my opinion wrong? Like everyone, again, is entitled to their own opinion. I just think the the way that this game is being discussed on the internet is very different than just a matter of opinions here. Um, right. You know, it, it gets into the realm of what you were discussing with Pokemon, where it's like there seems to be a larger thing happening than just people don't like this game.
1: I'm just saying, where was this anger when Star Fox Zero came out and was actually a nightmare? And like, I was, <laughs> I was alone in my expression of like why they add mandatory motion controls for for fox's neck what and i was alone in my rage so like you know save it for when it matters i think we right? were just less online when Star Fox zero <laughs> came out is is what i'm picking up on dude before this show i didn't even have twitter like i, I was very much just like <laughs> off the grid i had like a yahoo email address and like a light bulb um <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: anyway look i like mario golf super rush i think it's a pretty good game uh is it is it the best golf game in the world like of course not not everything needs to be the best uh this is like
1: exactly what i wanted i think this is just sort of prodding at a bigger conversation where there are no like clear takeaways but i do think it's a bigger symptom of how like all media is discussed online where you can't just say you like something without it being like i think this is amazing everything is either like this is the best thing in the world or this is like, so bad that I actually need to like start a campaign against the people who made it. Yeah. Which is just nightmarish. Like, I, I hear it too in real life. Like, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I feel like whenever I ask someone their opinion on something they've just engaged with, whether it's a book or a movie or a show or whatever, they will be like, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but I really liked it. Yeah. Or it'll be prefaced where it's like, if you're sick and you can't move and you have nothing else to do, this is a great show to watch. And I'm like, that's a weird way to pitch it. You're going to say you liked it, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be prefaced. This is coming from someone who has enough anxiety that I like preface everything with like eight, uh, you know, uh, asterisks like, you know, this, this and that. But it's just like you can I wish there was more security and just being like, I liked it. Yeah. You know, rather than being like, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing ever. What is? It's all subjective.
0: Yeah. Anyway. But imagine if Mario Golf Super Rush was the greatest thing ever, Steven. Imagine if like entire religions were founded around Mario Golf Super Rush Imagine
1: if it was that good. What would that game look like? I love when you turn on the game that is the best game ever made. It's sort of like Cloud's Sword in the spotlight, but it's the golf club. <laughs> uh, and then you hit a new game and the spotlight moves to Luigi and he goes, what makes a man? And, you know, begins his villainous monologue. Really yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, it's great. One of the best dating sims I've ever played. <laughs> Anyway, Mario Golf Super
0: Rush. It's available on the Nintendo Switch. I like it a whole bunch. I'm going to play like probably a lot of it if I were to guess like I'm gonna play a lot more of it uh sometimes we play a game like we'll pick up a game we'll you know talk about on the show and like that's kind of it for a while or at least until like goatee season when we revisit stuff like Mario Golf is gonna be a game that's gonna be in my repertoire for probably the rest of the year maybe until they make another Mario Golf in another I don't know 15 years or whenever that is so
1: <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah I'll, pr- I'll probably pick it up eventually I just uh there were a couple games we're, we're now in like an actual new release season so I've been yeah. like a bit more picky about what I pick up
0: yeah we're in we're in like summer release season then there's gonna be a little bit of a dip right before fall and then fall to the end of the year is just gonna be like a gauntlet of new shit
1: <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a lot but yeah. i'm
0: excited speaking of which man the the metroid dread premium edition sold out like immediately it's like one of the first games in eons i've wanted to like pre-order and own a physical copy of it is sold out in like seconds i think it's like you know scalper nonsense but man i'm so excited for metroid
1: dread oh me too
0: yeah is
1: that in October?
0: Yeah, it's October. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. We could stream it. Scary game. Oh my God, that's a good idea. I've also been holding off getting Resident Evil Village for that same reason. Me too. Um, yeah. Which I'm excited to play. Honestly, should uh, we just call
0: it now? Is that going to be our bonus for October is Resident Evil Village? I don't know. I, I have no idea. Like, I,
1: I feel like I need to play it first. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to set us our, a good point. ourselves up yeah. if, if we like don't, if we aren't crazy about it, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find something. It could be Dread, uh, easily. could you be know? Dread. Who knows? That's probably the safer bet, honestly. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. I have no idea. I haven't yeah. played any of these games. I can't form an opinion before I played it. It's true. Where's the live by? Four. Hmm. Oh. Dude,
0: Donkey Kong in Super Rush just, like, whacks the ball with one hand, and it rules. It's so badass. Also, Rosalina doesn't even hold the club. We talked about this at one point, but she doesn't even hold the club. She just moves it with her mind. And she has like one of the longest drives of any of the characters in the whole (laughs) game. Like she is so
1: powerful compared to everyone else. It's incredible. I'm just still kind of pissed that Donkey Kong went from going to like, (laughs) <laughs> you know like why is that his new voice i
0: don't know i don't know maybe maybe they'll explain it in uh, the next edition when when people have their freak out about the next donkey kong game the way i got to have about <laughs> metroid 5 this ruined my childhood dad that was one of those rumors that didn't pan out about, about E3 was that there was a 2d Donkey Kong in the works.
1: I have some friends who reached out to me to confirm rumors about E3. I'm like, dude, you, you severely overestimate how online I am. <laughs> like I, I pretty much know everything via you. Otherwise I'm like just in my, you know, in my life doing yeah. my things. You know, what did surprise
0: me The thing the thing that was completely absent from E3 that I like as when I was listening back to the edit and I was putting it together, it was like, I can't believe neither of us mentioned this. No, animal crossing
1: oh yeah i mean i don't really i would be surprised if nintendo actually updated it which is a bummer because they that should wild like, though yeah i just well new leaf like two
0: or three years later i think got like a huge update they added like so much stuff to that game it was like they one big like all right we added like you could play New Leaf forever now because of this update and and it seems like new horizons has been more of like kind of a slow drip but it, there hasn't been a drip in a yeah. long time. We're now like repeating
1: events, you know, I'm, I'm just well. it's, it's only surprised. been a year. I mean, like, you know, I know it's felt longer, but it's been like a year and a few months since it came out.
0: I guess, you know, again, this is the thing that sold people on Nintendo Switches. Like, I'm just I'm just so surprised that like after a after a year of a pandemic where people like just hung out inside and played Animal Crossing New Horizons, they didn't have anything for the one year and also the E3 after that it was like, OK, so maybe it's not the one year, but maybe the E3 will have something. And I'm, I'm just I'm just like
1: shocked, you know, the cl- classic Nintendo move. If there's anyone less online than me, it's Nintendo. I'm, I'm always surprised <laughs> they know like the Internet exists. The fact that we have like the functionality, the Switch has at all is a blessing. <laughs> I my, my it, living through the Wii's Internet connectivity. Yeah, man has like traumatized me to the point where I I have no faith in like (laughs) Nintendo online. So if they were like, we're actually going to take advantage of like the player base of animal crossing and update it like a service game. That is another reality in which we were like eight dimensions away from. <laughs> That's the reality where like Sega's still around and like Donkey you Kong know we still had, makes that noise. Donkey Kong still makes that noise, and we have like ten fingers. We have ten fingers here. We have eleven <laughs> fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, in the other dimension, we have ten fingers. Let's move on. This is so weird. <laughs> I need to get out of here.
0: This is what this show is usually like. I think we almost like forgot because of what last weekend was like.
1: Yeah. I don't play Mario Golf. I have eyelids on my palms. I have stigmata (laughs) with eyes. All right. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hurry up! It's a sunny day! Brendan, we're back, and I hear whispers and rumors that you have been playing yet another Dragon Quest game. Yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so what? The rumors are all true.
0: I feel you, you have said more than once on the show... That you have like a long standing quest to bring every Final Fantasy game. And I feel like I, without saying anything to anyone or even thinking it until this moment right now, have accidentally been bringing every Dragon Quest game, (laughs) which maybe is fine. For those of you who are uh, newer to the show, I I guess the big entry point for me was Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition for the Nintendo Switch, previously for the Nintendo 3DS. Now on Game Pass. Now on Game Pass. Yeah, great. Incredible. Um, Just just an unbelievable video game. Uh, Really, really loved it. Kind of taught me why that franchise is so beloved, why it's been around for so long. Why Square why Square wanted to merge with Enix in the first place. I get it. I get the hype now. And a whole
1: bonus about it from uh, last January. We have a whole bonus about it
0: honestly gets into i think some of uh, what you were talking about earlier with with chrono trigger being a short game i mean dragon quest like those games are real fucking long and i can understand why people don't finish them or think they're too long or whatever what i learned pretty early on about playing dragon quest is the best way to play it is like you know a half an hour to an hour before bed is like the move you know like play it as if it's vignettes kind of um yeah and totally in a lot of cases, especially Dragon Quest 11, I found that the story was kind of set up that way, which is yeah, nice. it has
1: seasons. It definitely has like arcs and seasons Yeah, to there's it. L-
0: there's like three seasons that exist in Dragon Quest 11, uh, but also there's like episodes, right? Like every time you go to a new town, there's like a little story that plays out in that town, and then you just kind of move on to the next one, and sometimes you go back to a town, and there's a new episode in that town. And that's kind of the way the game is set up, and in between you could have your own episode that's just like training, you know, just like grinding or whatever. Um, I find that loop to be really really comforting Me too. I, I think it's yeah. great i think that world is awesome and because of the love that you and i had for that game both of us have kind of endeavored to go out and like find the next one that we really wanted to play um you picked up five you talked about five on the show yeah um you played it on mobile which great that that i think is the ds version that got ported to mobile um and you liked it a lot right did you finish it i
1: loved five yeah i haven't finished it yet i got stuck on a a the, a fight before a boss Interesting. but i'm like probably two thirds of the way in. I do want to finish it. I just got, I've gotten sidetracked, but, um, I really love 5 and I also have 8 which you and I have talked about and have been really enjoying.
0: Yeah 8 is interesting so if you play 11 if 11's your entry point to the franchise a lot of people will tell you to go play 8 after because 8 is like really just kind of more of the same uh, yeah. not a bad way at all um, and, and that's kind of the, one of the weird things about Dragon Quest especially compared to like Pokemon or even Mario Golf as we were just talking about is like people don't want this franchise to change people very much want this to always be the vibe because they captured it so well in their first three that it really set in stone like actually if you deviate from this it kind of loses some of the charm of what dragon quest like is supposed to be that doesn't mean they're not evolving and changing new things eight for example being the first like fully open 3d space that you could go run around in on the ps2 miraculously uh was like a big deal that is carried through into you know 11 um there's an mmo
1: in there uh they, they, they try a lot of stuff yeah five is pokemon or smt even uh, Yeah. And also Stardew Valley and also the most dramatic somehow. Five <laughs> yeah. is really good. I'm excited yeah, for you to wild. get to five. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. The, the quick pitch of five is that you start as a four-year-old and you end as like an old man. Uh, like you yeah. play through somebody's entire life, essentially.
1: And that's weirdly one of the shorter ones. So the fact that it can have that <laughs> scale in like a shorter Dragon Quest, really fascinating.
0: Yeah. So eight was the one that I started playing on the 3DS. Uh, and, and you were playing it as well. And honestly, it's good. It's really good. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I... I really fell into it in a big way. I've been enjoying it a lot. I do think that the, thing that's holding me back from playing more of that version strangely enough is that it's on the 3DS like I really wish I could play the PS2 version I think that'll be like my like long term goal is to somehow find a way to play the PS2 version of that game because on the on the 3DS on the new 3DS I guess specifically you use the like little nub analog stick on the right to control the camera while you're running around and like it just doesn't feel very good it does feel a little bit truncated in ways um, it's a great way to play that game and a lot of people like swear by it as like the definitive version I just find it a little bit uncomfortable to play in like longer sessions um which is kind of why i started to bounce off of it a little bit i will probably go back to it and finish it if i were to guess but while i was in uh, the retro game store picking up wario wear twisted for the game boy advance um <laughs> while i was there the game boy advance games were like in a case next to the 3ds games and at the top of the pile of the 3ds games was dragon quest 7 fragments of a forgotten past uh just sitting there you know and like What I've learned as a recent Dragon Quest fan is that if you see a physical version of any Dragon Quest game that you're like, Yeah, yeah, considering getting ever in your life, like you should just get it (laughs) because the prices on those things are like astronomical i mean like dragon quest 9 for example is the one for the ds that everybody talks about and like wants a remake of and whatever and the reason so many people want a remake of it or want to see it ported somewhere else is like that cartridge is like literally two to three hundred dollars to get it's like wild to try and find a copy of that game so that having been said you know dragon quest 7 sitting there for the 3ds it was like a game i was considering getting eventually uh i was planning on just downloading it off of the eShop because you can go do that if you want to but it was just sitting there and i wanted to support the game store and whatever so i was like let me let me let me just get this so i picked it up and i started playing it just kind of out of curiosity to see like okay is this is this gonna be good enough for me to put down dragon quest 8 which i was like fully in love with at the time uh it has different art styles a little more like kind of uh not chibi characters. I wouldn't say that really, but like definitely kind of shrunken down versions of the Akira Toriyama art. It
1: has more of like a Dragon Ball versus Z style. You know? That's a like, great way
0: of putting it. Yeah.
1: Totally. It's interesting too because I feel like Eleven has the more kind of like modern, um similar to like the new Lupin movie that's CG yeah. it has that kind of approach to like animating Toriyama's style, whereas mm-hmm. like eight is like full DBZ and this is more, you know, Dragon Ball. Yeah. Uh, that's
0: a great way of putting it. So this is a remake of uh, a game for the PlayStation one, uh, the original dragon quest seven came out for the PS one. And what I knew about it going in, cause I, you know, I did a lot of research before I landed on eight as like the next one I was going to play. And I saw seven mentioned a lot as a potential next step, uh, just because it's like one of the more modern entries, you know, it's like a recent remake, whatever. But the thing that everybody said about it is like, it's so long like it is maybe the (laughs) longest one in the whole franchise like it takes forever to play this game and I was kind of turned off by that you know having just experienced like 100 plus hours of Dragon Quest 11 was like maybe I should lean towards one of the shorter ones five was you know one option and then eight was like well you know I don't mind it being long if it's like a similar style of game so then I started playing eight but seven I, I had heard really good story just is super long you just need to be aware of that before you start playing and I then started playing seven I was Like, let me just see what the first few hours of this are like. And I am in love with this game. It is so you and I have said this off the show, but it's interesting playing the beginnings of a bunch of Dragon Quest games because you learn pretty quickly like what they're kind of going for like what the mood change is going to be here yeah right the thing that's really fascinating so uh, what I love about five is again you start as a four year old and like even if you go to like a bookshelf and try and read it's like you can't read idiot like yeah you're four. <laughs> and you
1: rely on your buff dad who's like Hercule but actually strong
0: yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah right you go into caves with your dad and your dad hits things and you don't do any damage you're your, like little stick that you're holding just bounces off the slimes uh, it's so funny it's really 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 great it's a really interesting way of opening that game it also kind of endears you to the world because you're looking at it through child's eyes it's really cool right yeah um the interesting thing about seven is that it starts in a a a kind of similar place what i love about this game is that for the first like two to two and a half hours there's absolutely no combat at all so the the setup for this game i won't get too far into it because i don't want to like spoil it i Yes, but uh, there, there's some stuff that's worth knowing before you pick it up just like why you would want to play it in the first place right that's how I thought
1: about Chrono Trigger when I spoiled the inciting event for you yeah, that's, yeah. Kind of, that's kind of what this is like yeah
0: you are on an island it's the only island in the whole world kind of like Kingdom Hearts in a way where it's like and mm. Riku and Kairi and like a couple like kid versions of characters from Final Fantasy hanging out
1: hi I am eight year old Titus ha,
0: ha, ha, ha. I
1: wondered why they didn't want to talk to me yeah
0: man that's that's what Kingdom Hearts is like yeah um, <laughs> That's what th- that's what this is. Uh there's like a little island. There are two towns on the island. <laughs>
1: you like rightfully shielded yourself from that bit going on any longer than it was going to continue I'm sorry
0: it's an island with like two towns on the island you start off in a port town your dad is like a fisherman who like goes out and like is the reason that people on the island have food in the first place they're like revered as heroes every time they go out there's like a big like send off every time they leave which happens a couple times it's great every
1: time it happens Death Stranding
0: yeah yeah. exactly that yeah Yeah, just like it (laughs) it's just like Death Stranding that's the cool thing about Dragon Quest 7 is that it's just like Death
1: Stranding. The heroic lens of like necessary, but otherwise like taking for granted jobs is what yeah, I was thinking.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's the situation with the port town that you start in and your best friend, uh, his name is Kiefer. Uh, he is the prince of... And he lives in another town that's on the island that is like literally, a, you know, it's like a castle and then like a little surrounding town outside of that. And that's all there is on the island. And you and everyone you know have for the most part just been like cool with that. But secretly, and this has been happening long before the game starts, which I also really love, like you pick up like well into the story of these two, like being troublemakers on the island. You're both like, I think 14 or 15, like you're, you know, pretty young, but like old enough to know what you're doing and like know that you're like getting up to no good. But the two of you have been sneaking out at night. Keyford like literally sneaking out of the castle like around guards and stuff and you just it's very easy for you to sneak out of your little port townhouse but you've been meeting up in these ruins every night for like months because there's like There's ruins and there's got to be something interesting going on here and and the two of you have this notion that like there's got to be more to the world than just this one island again classic kingdom heart shit and like you you need to see how that's going to happen you need to see where that's at and the first couple hours of the game are literally just the two of you like running around the island like a bunch of kids who just like made up a fairy tale and are like pretending that it's a thing that's going to pan out one day obviously it does like obviously there's a point where like oh you pushed a lever and like that actually created an inciting event that led you on this path. But you know throughout the course of the first like couple hours of the game. You're just like getting caught by the king. You know who like notices that Kiefer sneaking out one night. Or like your dad is like you know sitting you down for a talk. That's like look I know that Kiefer is like bigger than you. And is stronger than you. And is like pushing you around and stuff. I'm not going to reprimand you the way the king is reprimanding his own son. But like, just just don't cause trouble. Like, just don't let this blow back on me, you know, or your mom or anything like that. Like, just be like wise about the way you're sneaking out at night. Like, I can't stop you. You're a teenager. Like, that's what's going to happen. Like, you're having these kinds of conversations. It so lulls you into this version of Dragon Quest that doesn't even need combat. It's like this version of Dragon Quest that doesn't need to be a large like, grand adventure. You don't need to go out into the world and, like, you know, fight a big bad villain or whatever. Like, it can just be this... And for so long, I was like, I would love if the game was just this. Like, I how cool would it be to just have an RPG that was just no combat at all? Just like wanting to tell a story, but using the same like equipment and trappings that you would expect from a Dragon Quest, but without any of the like, you know, big bombastic world ending nightmare scenario shit. And when it does happen, like when it starts, it starts off really slow and interesting. I think I I won't say how or why. But eventually you kind of like fall into a portal. It's honestly not too unlike Chrono Trigger in a way, you fall into a portal that takes you to another island. Like you wake up in another place and you're like, this this sure doesn't look like our island, because like we've run around the whole thing. Like this is definitely a different place. And you find a village that has some stuff going on that like doesn't seem super great. Uh and you help them out with it over the course of, you know, a couple hours or not even that long, honestly, maybe like you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And when you're done, another portal opens and you step back into it and you're back on your home island. And the and the place that you were just at has now reappeared in the map next to the island that you were at. There's now Mm. a second island in the world. And you somehow without even knowing how or what you did have caused this island to show up and you can hop on a boat and you can head over there and you can go check it out. And it's like hundreds of years in the future from when you were there. Like you went, you went back in time and you, you changed something in the past that prevented this island from completely disappearing off the map. And now it's here again. And everyone on your island is losing their minds about it. Like everyone is just like, holy shit. This was all we ever knew. Like maybe they're like villains, maybe they're enemies, like whatever but like you can go visit and they're just like totally normal people they don't even realize that their island had disappeared at any point they don't understand that things have changed it's really interesting and it creates this version of dragon quest which is even more adherent to this idea of playing like 30 to 45 minutes before you go to sleep than i think any of the other ones i've tried at least because the way the game works the the loop of this game is you and your friends hop into a portal go to the past solve a problem solve a riddle fight a boss do something that then causes that island to show up again in the future and then you can go visit that island and then there's another little chapter that happens there and it's just this constant loop of like island in the past island in the present maybe a little like side quest chapter that happens in your main island and all of these take like 30 minutes and that is so nice it's so refreshing yeah. to like have the game actually be focused from a, from a design standpoint around that experience of only playing it in little chunks because that's the only way you're going to get through the hundred hours that this game is demanding of you you know right. like this is a game that like really wants a lot of your time i i was on the like how long to beat website for this and it was like it's on average taking people like 80 to 90 hours like it's a yeah, really it's long persona
1: kind of length. Like, yeah
0: yeah exactly but the fact that it's split up into these chunks like this just makes it so digestible and i've been playing it constantly for like i guess i don't know three to four weeks at this point and just having the best time with it i mean there's a bunch of islands on my map now and it's great and you can you know travel between all of them you get fast travel between them whatever what i what i found because you know just like with chrono trigger i kind of had this back and forth of like ah, should i play the original should i play the 3ds version like i need to know what the differences are between the two pretty much everyone just says get the 3ds version ignore the playstation version entirely uh because apparently the the opening hours those like really blissful two hours of no combat that i was talking about are like 5 to 6 hours in in the original version on the PlayStation 1 Oh yeah and from what I've heard and it's fascinating to read people talk about this on the internet like people who have had experience playing the original and then the 3ds version or just playing the original or whatever the thing that people always say about the original is like man is that drawn out like man there's too many riddles too much weird shit going on in the ruins that you got to solve like there's a lot of stuff going on that really takes you out of the game and you're just like begging for it to actually start because that whole like beginning before the inciting event just takes forever so the fact that they've truncated that down into like two hours actually makes it really just this like blissful enjoyable like storybook experience on the 3ds and i love it i'm like really into it like this again i don't i don't know what the best dragon quest game to start with is i don't know what the next one to play after that one is but like for my money, I I have found that I think Dragon Quest Seven is giving me more of what I liked about the experience I kind of forced into Eleven, Like Eleven. you know, although you go to a town, you can like hang out there and it'll take like a half an hour to, to an hour. There are a lot of times where I've found myself like going into towns in Dragon Quest Eleven and like getting halfway through the chapter that I was supposed to finish and then I need to stop and like move on to something else, you know, or like go to bed or something. Um, Dragon Quest Seven is like actually really bite-sized in that way. And that's yeah. really, really, really really refreshing.
1: Yeah, I do think 11, like we said, it has those chapters, but they are longer. And my experience playing 11 was putting, I think, over 200 hours into it in like a, a matter of weeks. So I had the opposite <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. digestion. But I think it is, as we explored the Dragon Quest series, it is really fascinating how it is a series that has figured out what it does well and does that every time but like you said those beginning hours of each of them always set up something a little bit different Seven seems to have this very like lower stakes storybook vibe Eight feels like straight out of like Terry Pratchett or something where there's like a wagon of like a princess who is now a horse and just like true misfits like that cast are all like wild and very fun ways and Eleven I think reveals its hand very early where they're like you're the chosen one go accept the reward and then you're instantly thrown into the dungeon by the king yeah. like that kind of carries that whole story that that subversion of 11 is very present throughout the entire game and of course 5 we already talked about but yeah it's uh it's such a cool series I mean I, I know you mentioned earlier how I want to bring up every Final Fantasy game I'll probably not bring up 1 and 2 on this show if I had to <laughs> guess like and we both tried with 13 and honestly just cannot make that work
0: oh yeah we, we were angling for a 13 bonus episode at some point and I think yeah it, we were just like eh,
1: maybe not I was really hoping like that we would be like you know what 13's actually a good game and uh I don't think it is unfortunately <laughs> I know it has its defenders and like it's a beautiful game like the yeah. design of it is gorgeous and like I do think that it's one of those games where they were clearly like taking risks with the formula. Um, And that's the thing. It's like Final Fantasy in many ways is like the opposite of Dragon Quest where they're all they're changing everything every time. Yeah. So I think that, you know, you have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Yeah, that's kind of why the conversation around Dragon Quest is like you can kind of pick
0: up any of them. It's like what, you, what are you looking for? Like, what did you right. like about the one you just played before you go on to the next one? Final Fantasy is very much like some of these are hits and some of these are misses, and you just got to know that. Like, I I did go back and play Dragon Quest one and two a little bit and three, just like try them all out and like really couldn't do them at all, you know, because they were just kind of figuring it out. And three definitely gets closer to figuring it out, but it's very clear that like from four onwards is like we know what Dragon Quest is and, yeah. and that's what
1: it's going to be forever. And Similar to Final Fantasy, I feel like 4 is the first, like, true Final yeah. Fantasy as we know it today. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a lot of these RPG series, like, it takes them a few games to figure out what is this series going to be about. Persona is a similar thing. And I obviously know right. that, like... The earlier games have their fans. Like Persona Two is like it's thought of very positively, but it's a very different experience. Like if yeah. you love Persona Three, Four, and Five, you may not like One or Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one likes One, so we can discount that out. But you know, Two is more of an SMT vibe, and you know, with if Final you Fantasy, like One, sorry, it's <laughs> I, obviously somebody likes One, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I don't know if anyone likes One, but you know, <laughs> I'll still apologize. We'll, we're just not. We're just gonna move on. <laughs>
0: look uh Dragon Quest seven fragments of a forgotten past really good video game it's really available. good
1: subtitle that's a, one of the better subtitles in the in the series considering they're not like uh, developed with a
0: subtitle in mind you know that it's like a, a thing when they localize it for the us uh, that's a really good
1: subtitle that's the thing that that bums me out about the new one it's got a, what's the subtitle of 12 it's like rain of fire or something the fl- the flames of fate yeah come on man that's yeah. the best you got. You're following echoes of an elusive age with the flames of fate. Yeah, they love alliteration. That's true.
0: But I do wonder, like, is it going to be okay? So I, I, haven't really alluded to this that much, but like the, the, ti- the subtitle for Seven is way more literal than you think it is. And I, I, right. I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say more than that. Uh, like, yeah. Fragments of a forgotten past is like actually like part of the gameplay loop, and um, I, I won't say anything more. I wonder if. Flames of Fate is going to be more literal than we think. Like, is it going to be the character like jumping into fire or something? (laughs) I don't know. I'm like, really, I'm curious to see like if it actually pans out and like we come around the other end and like, yeah, that's a great subtitle.
1: I just need an adjective. I think if it was like, the forgotten flames of fate or the ferocious Mm -hmm. flames of fate. (laughs) Like give me another beat in that sentence, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) journey of the cursed King hand of the heavenly bride echoes of an elusive age. Uh, fragments of forgotten past flames of fate. Like, come on. You feel it. You feel the absence there. Sentinels of the starry skies is nine. That's incredible. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just ferocious flames of fate. Anything. You got to give me an adjective. I can't
0: believe how much I've talked about Dragon Quest on this podcast. What a I what a heel it. turn for me. I was <laughs>
1: Is it a heel turn? I think it's a whatever the babyface turn is in wrestling. Uh
0: heel turn heel turn is when somebody becomes a villain, right?
1: Yeah. I do feel like the villain of the show sometimes when I talk about <laughs> Dragon Quest as much as I do. Really? It's so like nice and wholesome. Yeah. That's that's probably the case. You're the villain when you tell me about Destiny and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I haven't played Destiny in a long time. I always care. I just, you know, I I was so out of the loop
0: for a while. I'm like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. Every once in a while, I see, like, updates that are happening on Destiny. I'm like, should I go back? And then I, I choose to not. You and I that tried was- to play it together when when uh, they added yeah. it. They added everything to Game Pass, and we downloaded it, and we were like, let's give it a real shot. Like, I'll get back into Destiny. You'll, like, play through it and, like, really, like, give it a go. And, man, that was, like,
1: less than three hours of us playing. <laughs> it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. I just yeah. think, like, we got swept away in other things you know i i don't really have a lot of space for like multiplayer games to be honest other than like uh, like i have a few fighting games and like mario kart you know Mm -hmm. i don't have that like let's all play this but i I always enjoyed my time with destiny yeah it's a nice thing to go back to i felt like the villain saying i didn't care about what you said because i always (laughs) like listening to you
0: i i would recommend picking this game up on the 3ds to you specifically, I think that you would like it a lot. I didn't even mention this, but so. you're, the the uh, player character is dressed exactly like Link, and it's definitely on purpose, um, <laughs> which I love. Uh, just we like got to rescue
1: Zelda. Let's yeah, go!
0: It's great. Uh, I th- I think you'd like it a lot, and I know I know you're like in the middle of eight, so like you could either wait until you're done with eight or or not. But um, I have like pretty much bailed on eight to only play seven all the time uh and it's been great that's gonna be my ongoing thing for a long time like i i will probably not bring this game up again until i'm done with it uh but it's good
1: yeah i i i uh, i want to finish five before i pick up a new one i also have four on mobile but i've seen more divisive things about that port interesting four i think would be one i also like because it has the whole like shifting perspectives thing which i tend to enjoy right so sign me up yeah Anyway, we told
0: ourselves this was going to be a shorter one. And I think it actually was. Yeah, it's like I think it's like a little over an hour. That's good. We're being kind to ourselves. That's nice.
1: Yeah, this felt good. I'm yeah. into it. Yeah. We're 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 both turning our heels back. Yeah, you know? we are also recording another bonus episode after this. So, <laughs> <laughs> if there was ever a month that didn't need a bonus, <laughs> it's this yeah. one. But hey, you get what you pay for. I guess that said, like, there's a bunch of other games that you and I are playing currently that I think we'll probably bring up eventually. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You just got
0: Scarlet Nexus, right?
1: I did, yeah. I picked up um Trickery and Scarlet Nexus yeah. are two games that recently came out that I really want to play and talk about on the show. Um, I just didn't have enough time to like even do a short segment on either of them. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I just started Trickery and I have not started Scarlet Nexus at all. Yeah. It it seemed like Scarlet Nexus is one of those games where like the reviews are like kind of lukewarm, but like there's a couple really positive ones. Yeah. So I'm always into a game that like looks very strange and there's like two people that love it i'm like this is this is worth checking out even if i don't love it to the same degree uh so i'll keep you posted on that
0: yeah i'm excited to hear about that one that really does seem like it could be like very much a game for us specifically yeah. and a lot of people in the discord have mentioned that like having not played it still but a lot of people have like posted reviews in the discord and been like this seems like an ita
1: game in a big way <laughs> yeah i'll keep you all posted i mean i'm just excited to be entering you know I, again Uh, We're not like we don't need to cover new stuff, but it's always exciting when things that we're looking forward to are coming out um, and we're kind of approaching that season. So, yeah, it's nice.
0: Yeah. Uh, I also have Chicory, which I'm excited to play. I have it on Mac, which is interesting uh, because you're playing on PS5. So I'll I'll, I'll be curious to talk about the differences between those experiences. Um, I'm still playing Umurangi Generation on and off which has been uh, a really cool experience and uh Grifflands which is like very interesting. So Yeah. Expect like some of those games to show up. I don't know if we'll be able to talk about all of them um, because generally what happens is like you and I are playing games for a long period of time we want to like give it more time before we bring it up on the show and then like something else comes out that's like obviously the segment for that week. Um, yeah. so some things you know just kind of get moved around. What what's the game that you've had on like the
1: back burner forever? Valkyria Chronicles. Valkyria Chronicles, yeah. <laughs> the Benchwarmer. Uh yeah. yeah that game's awesome I just uh it's like I I've played it like I'll talk about this if we ever need a game and there's always something else yeah happening. exactly but yeah that was a game that I, I remember when there was a lot of discussions about like that list that was being made in the discord of like the the most ITA games Valkyria mm. Chronicles kept coming up and I kept being tagged like Stephen would love this even though he hasn't played it I'm like point taken yeah <laughs> it's cool it's very XCOM meets Fire Emblem kind of yeah. Oh, like Mario plus Rabbids. It's a lot like Mario Golf, actually. Uh, <laughs> Toadstool Tour. A baby is born in a tank, which is kind of weird. We'll talk about it one day. <laughs> okay. I'm excited to hear about it. It's honestly a
0: game that every time I go to the eShop, I'm like, do I get this game? It's really cool. I think um I think we'll
1: talk I now I kind of want to talk about it, so maybe we'll okay. save it for another All right. time. Oh yeah. again, you know, it's on the list. Yeah. I've I've put in I think like ten hours like a couple of years ago. Oh no, a year ago. I don't know when I got it. It's been on the bench for a while. Yeah. But it's an older game. I think it was a PS three game.
0: Yeah. But the switch good. So there's a bunch of stuff on the horizon for us to talk about. There's a bunch of stuff coming out. Just want to say thanks again to everybody who's listening to the show and shared the show recently. See a lot of people like tweeting about it. And I don't know, just saying nice things. That's really cool. Um, We've been doing the show for three years now um, and we're in our fourth year. Uh, Yeah, it's it feels like it's no longer a new show, which is weird. It still feels new to me, which is interesting. You know, the honeymoon phase of the podcast is not over. But, uh, it's not, it's not new. I mean, we've been doing it for a long time and it's cool that there's been so many people who've been like along the journey with us the whole time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're very lucky that I feel like we've had a lot of support from Go, you know, and there are people that have stuck around and and uh, really like chosen to shout us out like for years. Yeah. <laughs> like just a sincere thank you. I, I think sometimes um, I I don't even know what to say or react to that, but just know that it means a lot. And I'm just so excited to do the show more and see how this season develops and grows. The yeah. heel turns that await us.
0: <laughs> yeah, the heel turns out to us.
1: This is really kind of a Breaking Bad villain origin story, you know. Like as we play more Dragon Quest games, you know, we we yeah. both wear fedoras and yeah. are mean. It's better call Saul
0: in, in that way. <laughs> yeah. you just the the slow devolving of a of a once wholesome person. Right. Um, anyway, thank you so much. <laughs> listening uh you can find the links to everything uh over at into the cast online we're on twitter we're on instagram we have a twitch account a youtube account um and also there is a link to our patreon um if you back the patreon you now get access to bonus episodes uh that we're doing um if you back the patreon at any point you get the previous bonus episodes you just get access to an rss feed that's yeah. just the bonus episode so you can go back and listen to all the stuff that we've
1: made uh going forward Uh, I just want to clarify, too, though, that the bonus episodes we do every month will still be for everyone. I guess we'll have to be specific about terminology for patron bonuses. Yeah, patron bonuses. versus Right. Just just to prevent any confusion. Yeah. Uh, A lot of bonus content. But Yeah. um, yeah, like Brendan said, they'll all be available to you. I'll say that for those who listened to the Game Boy Advance episode and early on heard about the giveaway. Basically, we are randomly choosing three people to uh give away those game boy advances to, so you have until the friday this episode comes out uh to do what is required of you uh and then your name will be added to the list and then we're going to randomly choose three people from that list so i'm excited to uh to announce who wins Uh, we'll probably reach out to you on twitter uh via dm and just like ask you for shipping information and all that we'll work it all out don't worry about it so cool cool all
0: right uh, that's, that's gonna be it. it for us this week that's on all Into the I ether, have. a low key video game podcast. You're, you're sunny. Um, <laughs> Four, Four. Yeah, uh, Cool. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan
1: Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You found me at Stephen Hilger. Have a wonderful day. Please do. Yeah. Have Please a wonderful day. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: Oh my.